The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, bring it in for another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. My name is Brown. Mike Jones will be along later. We got a good show for you today. All right, we know that the NFL playoffs are in full swing. It is the division round. We are past the wild card weekend. The big game of the weekend is Ravens versus Titans. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that game. We got Brian H. Waters from brianhwaters.com we got mike Patton from sportsawakening.com they are going to cover this game from both sides but let's start with my man brian h waters brian covers the ravens for brianhwaters.com now he's also the guy i like to go to especially on twitter when it's time to talk wrestling and brian i i, I, I got i have a confession to make i have a confession what? after years Years of of marital bliss. My wrestling marriage to Sasha Banks might finally be coming to an end because I believe that I am now head over heels in love with Bianca Belair. um, Okay. uh, I've tried to fight it. You know, I've I've watched her in NXT for these last couple of years and, and I've been tempted, but I'm like, no, no, I'm still, you know, I'm still in love with the legit boss, but you know what? I'm 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 watching her, and and, and I love well, some I Bianca Belair. Like a legit boss, mm-hmm. after uh, you know when she turned that blue hair, and she's a blue hair angel. Oh yeah, yeah. see, I I believe I believe she did that for me. I believe uh-huh. she did that for me because she saw me. You know, she saw the attention that I was that that I was showing Bianca Belair, like right after, okay. like right around Survivor Series when NXT was jumping SmackDown like every week. I think it was. I think Bianca Belair pressed Dana Brooks and threw her over some speakers, and that was it. That's all. You know what? I'm in love with her. I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 going to be in. Uh, that's that's my new wrestling wife. And then she came okay. out with the blue. Then she came out with the blue hair, and I'm like, you know what? You know, she she trying to keep her brother. Sasha want to uh-huh. keep her brother around. That's 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 what it is, man. I, for real, I, they're fighting over me right now. They don't know it. They don't realize it. But the two of them <laughs> are fighting for my for my affection, for my love and affection, and I'm torn. And I'm right now. I'm leaning towards Bianca Belair because I, 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 because she's a great wrestler and she's really, really sexy. And I find her very, I find her very, very attractive. I, I, I there, I, there, I said it. It is, it is what it is. But look, I, I, I brought you in. I wanted you cover the Ravens. You're down there in Baltimore. So I know, I know the excitement level is just on high. You know, are they, is is this legit Super Bowl fever down there in Baltimore? Are they sitting there, are, are they expecting another, another parade down Pratt Street? Yeah, man. Um, you know, thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. The thing is, I, you know, I, I got, I'll be honest with you, I'm walking outside. I got my Ravens coat on. Shout mm-hmm. out to my mom. Uh, for a Christmas gift, got my Ravens hat, Ravens gloves in my pocket, 
this year feels special, man. It's almost like I, I thought about 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let me go back. I'll go back to 2000. 2000, I was 14 years old, mm-hmm. and it was it was unprecedented because the Ravens were just four years old. They had never touched the playoffs. That to the point, Brian Bills didn't even want them to use the word. He wasn't allowed them to use the word Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so they developed Festivus Maximus. Oh, I remember. Um, yep. I was. I believe you was here around that. Yeah, time. yeah. I was living and, in Baltimore. I remember. Yeah, and you know the thing that was so special about that season was you just knew after a while when we hit October, it felt like we was untouchable, right? Yeah. Um, 2012 was rocking to the championship because. It was an unfinished business thing. And it was like, we got to get back to New England and finish. Now, there was times there was a lot of bumps in the road. But once we got in the playoffs and when they played them Colts in that first round, it was like, you know, we can go all the way. What makes this year different, but it mirrors, so, it mirrors both of those years, right? Mm-hmm. It mirrors 2000 because we lost our last game the fourth Sunday in September. And we haven't lost since. Same thing in 2000. We lost our last game in October, didn't lose again. Um, 2000, they felt untouchable. This year, they feel untouchable, but there will be some dog fights. There has been some dog fights. You look at the 49ers game. You look at the Bills game to an extent. Both of those games, though, as Ravens fans, you felt they was going to win because you felt that in the end, John Harbaugh, was going to outcoach his opposition. Um, this year, it feels that way in the playoffs. Now, I understand people loving Tennessee because of what they did to New England. Here's my thing. That game was not a blowout. Yeah, Derrick Henry ran all over the place. And granted, Henry, um, you know, the Ravens, the, it's not that the Ravens run defense this week. It's hitting them edges. Now, they've addressed that, and they figured out how to make it work. But the difference is the Ravens also know how to put up points. Something that the 2000 team couldn't do was put up 40 points a game. The 2000 team, to an extent, I mean, 2012 team, to an extent, wasn't going to put up 40 points. They could put up points, but not the way this one could. This team, on multiple occasions, have put up 30-plus points a game. When you see Lamar Jackson in person, I stood on the sideline. It's like, wow, it's amazing. So I'm looking at that, and that's the reason why I feel so confident that these guys are the real deal. I feel like I don't want to say this game is going to be a blowout, but I do feel like Ryan Tannehill is going to get a wake-up call. I feel like the Tennessee Titans are going to get a wake-up call. The thing is, John Harbaugh is letting these guys be themselves. Um, There was a lot of talk in 2012 about the division of the team, whether it be that you had your John Harbaugh guys and your Ray Lewis guys. But Harbaugh and Ray Lewis were on the same page. So that's what helped. But it feels like this team, just everybody loves each other. And I know you got to win one first, but this team does the way it's built. feels like it could go on a run to be in the conversation for the next few years. I understand there are a lot of pending free agents coming up as well. But that's another kind of a – Motivation, because for these guys, everybody, unfortunately, won't be back. So if I'm a player, you look at 2012, 
guys like Paul Kruger, guys like um, uh, Courtney Upshaw. No, I think Upshaw was still there. But a lot of these guys had to go out there and win, and then they could say, well, I'm a Super Bowl winner. I want this amount of money. So that's the reason why I'm looking at, like, these guys go, got to go out there and do it. But I think, you know, everybody want to do it for Lamar, too. They want to do it for themselves. But they know what this kid the bit through. They saw he promised the Super Bowl to Baltimore, but to sit there and wait to be drafted. And if I can say this, I mean, you'll bleep it out if I can't. Um, <laughs> it would be nice to see a young black man become a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Now, we had Doug Williams and we had Russell Wilson, but it's time for another one. The undefeated claim that this is the year of black quarterback, and I do think this is the year we get it, and I do think it's going to be right here in Baltimore. All right, all right. I love I love this confidence, and you talked about how this offense is scoring points at – at a clip that they really haven't done in the past. They've had two Super Bowl uh, wins in the last 20 years. Both of those teams were were more known for their defense. But now mm-hmm. this team is known for its offense. But I know that there's more to this offense than Lamar Jackson. So give me a key to this offense clicking on uh, this weekend that's not Lamar Jackson. Give me somebody other than Lamar Jackson who will be the key to uh, – offensive success for the Baltimore Ravens this weekend? Well, obviously, you got to look at Mark Ingram, uh, whether or not he's going to be there. Um, Ingram dealing with the calf injury. I haven't checked the reports yet. I know he practiced one day, then the calf started bothering him. There's a concern of re-injury. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Tennessee Titans by any means when I say this, but if you limit Ingram in this game and preserve him for later – Maybe that's what you got to do. That's Edwards can go, you know. Um, so it's an opportunity for him and um, I can't think of his name right now, the uh, other backup to shine. And, when, you know, they both did well in the game against the Steelers, which people got to remember, those, that Steelers team was a first-string team, and they were also a team fighting for a playoff spot. So they was giving the Ravens their best shot, and the Ravens took them down with their backups, but mainly their running game. So that's going to be key, and it's also going to be the tight end. To get the tight ends involved, what that does is that opens up for the wide receivers, guys like Willie Snead, guys like Seth Roberts, Nick, uh, Miles Boykin, and, of course, Hollywood Brown. I definitely want to see Hollywood Brown get going in a game like this um, because, you know, I – He's fast. There's no doubt about it. So, obviously, we got to have Lamar throw them the ball. But I do think this would be one of those 200, 100 games for Lamar Jackson, you know, or maybe 350 or 65, where he's going to be able to throw that ball. And, you know, and then he's not going to have to run as much. Uh, Because we know Mike Rabel is a great – he's a defensive mind. He played the linebacker position. Uh, But I just think – the Tennessee Titans, as good as they are, I don't think they're great. Like I said, the game ended on a um, a defensive play. It's not like they dominated the Patriots. It's not like they blew out the Patriots. That's the thing. That's the word I want to use. It's not like they blew out the Patriots by 40 points. They beat them at the last play of the game, which was impressive. But now you got to go to Baltimore. Baltimore destroyed the Patriots. So that's another thing. 
But I definitely think it comes down to the tight ends and the running back for the offense. Okay, well, let's switch over to the other side of the ball. You know, just, you know, just like we talked about, this defense not necessarily – doesn't have the notoriety of the defenses in the past. You know, the Ray Lewis days, uh, you know, the T-Sizzle days, you know, Ed Reed, all those guys. But this is still a team that has 25 takeaways on the season and is fourth in, uh, fourth in yards allowed. What has been the key to success? Mm-hmm. What has been the key to success of this defense? And what do you think this defense has to do to stop a Derrick Henry and an AJ Brown? Well, one the thing is, man, they've been fresh. Um, you look at some of those defenses in the past; they were built, but they were durable because they had to be on the field longer because of a lot of three and outs. This defense comes on the lead, and when you play, I mean, I've never played football. But from what I see on the sideline standing next to these guys, when they go out there after the offense scores a touchdown, they pumped up, you know. So that's what it's going to be. The offense score, that lets the defense come out there, they fresh, and they're eager to hit somebody because they go force them three and out. So they got a key in on the run. That's without a doubt. Um, Earl Thomas said that the, the Patriots looked like they were scared to tackle Derrick Henry. I don't think that would be the case, you know. Nick Chubbs ran all over him the first game. He didn't the second time. The running back from San Francisco ran all over them. So I'm pretty sure, you know, that left a bad taste in their mouth. So it's going to be coming to that. Um, Marlon Humphrey has emerged as one of the best cornerbacks in the league, but so is Marcus Peters. So for the first time, I think, since we had Dwayne Starks and Chris McAllister, oh, it looks like whoa. we have two. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Something bizarre. You took me in a time machine right there. You know, you talk about Starks and McAllister. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Bring, With Kim Hearn and Bob Wilson back oh. there. You, you going you know, to bring up Mike McCrary, too, and, and Tony Saragusa? Oh, yeah, man. That's that's a great team. But you that know, was you a great team. It, it's funny. I, you know, I, I live in Philly. I'm a huge, you know, I'm always be a huge Eagles fan. But I felt like, you know, there was a soft spot for the Ravens. Like, yeah. You know, me me and Jonesy have talked about on this show, you know, like having two teams. And I have always okay. said I've never had two teams. I don't, I don't I don't believe in you can have, that you can have two teams, but I believe that you can like other teams. And I used to think like I was living in Baltimore when the Ravens came to town. So I I was there at the very beginning of that franchise. And Paris Blendenson said the ball, the Browns are indeed coming to Baltimore. Yeah, when they're, I, I remember, you know, I was there for that. I was there when, you know, the birth of the Ravens. I remember when there were the, the three big eggs down at the harbor, and when Edgar Allen and Poe were were were, were hatched to the world and everything. Oh, wow. You know, I, I remember all all of that. But the thing I I tell people back here now that I've moved back home to Philly, that that Ravens team especially the Super Bowl winning team, that was just a really likable team. They had guys that you liked. And, I, you know, of course, you know, Ray Lewis had, you know, his controversy at the time. But it was, you saw when you lived here how this area rallied around him, how this, how the Baltimore area had Ray Lewis's back. And despite the fact that, you know, the rest of the country, the rest of the world was down on him, you know, they were calling him what they were calling him. And I, I, I don't need to get all, you know, get in all that. If you don't know the controversy, you know, Google it. You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. But they they loved him. 
and they loved that mm-hmm. team, and they were just a lot of likable guys. You know, I I liked they, I liked Ter- Tony Saragusa. You brought up something, right? You brought up you know rallying behind the guys, right? The mm-hmm. first year it was both years it was Ray Lewis, right? Yes, but. In a sense, because, you know, the first time it's like, okay, we're going to show everybody Ray Lewis is the real deal and whatever, we, we got his back. I'll just leave it at that, right? Mm-hmm. But the second year, it was like, okay, the generals retired. Let's send him out on a high note. Yes. Not too many people could go home. Let's put him on the legacy with a Jerome Bettis mm-hmm. or um, a John Elway. Yeah. But then you also had guys rallying behind Joe Flacco, his office rallying behind him, because they felt he wasn't getting his respect mm-hmm. and, nor his money. Now, that same stuff goes with a Lamar Jackson this year. These guys want to rally behind him because of how they, everybody feels he was disrespected, being told he should play wide receiver. You know? So they want to rally behind him. And that's what makes this so special. Um, last year, the, the feeling was if we beat the charge, it was either this. It was either all or nothing last year. I don't think you had too many people who felt that the Ravens were going to win. Um, they were going to win the Super Bowl, but you also had people who felt like this: either they go go out in the first round because the Chargers seen them already, or they going they gonna stay hot and they gonna go all the way to uh, Atlanta. It went the opposite way. Even though Lamar Jackson started with you know as he got confident, started coming back. It's just that it just wasn't his time yet. Yeah. So, it, but it, we needed that to happen because before you can experience triumph, sometimes you gotta go through tragedy. Yeah. And you know, so that's what happened. You know, I look at when you got, your Eagles won the championship, mm-hmm. everybody seemed to have rallied behind being an underdog and rallied behind Nick Foles, who they felt like, okay, no backup quarterbacks gonna win. You know, you look at Foles, who was there, then he got traded, mm-hmm. and they came back. You know, so when you get in these situations, that's what it seems like, you know. And I can say, not to look too far ahead, but I'm telling you, this Ravens team want Kansas City to win because they want that rematch. Kansas City beat them last year mm-hmm. in the uh, season, and they beat them this year in the season, and the Ravens hadn't found their identity yet. Um, and so when I look at the defense, it, like I said, it's going to come down to a guy like Marcus Peters and – you know, one thing about um, uh, Wink, he's going to be aggressive. They blitz. And when the Ravens come, like, it's been a joy to watch because in a few years, even that Super Bowl year, the defense, I mean, you go back, they let up 34 points against the, the 49ers, I mean, 31 points against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They let up uh, 35 points against Peyton Manning, which is Peyton Manning. But they were good, but it was, they gave up a lot of points. This team – they going out there and they hitting and they hitting hard. You look at Judon. Um, they they was on a mission a couple of weeks ago, and that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to go out there. They're going to be on a mission, and you know they're going to try to they're going to try to. I I think they're going to try to put this away in the third quarter so they can kind of rest up. Okay. All right. Well, look, man. Can't lie, man. I'm digging your confidence, man. I I. I, I... <laughs> I can see that that you are ready. I can see that you are pumped. You know, all eyes are going to be in Baltimore Saturday night, 8 o'clock, Ravens versus Titans. That's my man Brian Waters from BrianHWaters.com and the Wrestling Realm. Look, I will I will give you a date when me and Bianca Belair decide to get married. All right? 
All right, I'll make sure I'll be there at the wedding, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, look, look, me and uh, Leo can be the photographer. I got you, man. I got you. All right, man. Hey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. All right, that was Brian H. Waters from BrianHWaters.com. We are going to take a real quick break. On the other side of that break, we will talk to Mike Patton from SportsAwakening.com, and he will talk about this game from the Titans' perspective. You feel in this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. James Lewis. There's so many people walking around with the Best Buy Polo. Then you have the Sprint people. Then you have the Geek Squad people. Then you have like Geek Squad. The, co- like the, Geek the Squad. Cox they Cable people. Right. So there are 38 people walking around at Best Buy doing absolutely nothing. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Can we say F No, we can't. Buy? We can't say that. We, okay. we, we cannot say that. Okay. Uh, we shouldn't say that. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. I'm little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, that like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pull me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Right, we just talked to Brian Waters in Baltimore for the Ravens' perspective. Now let's go to the other side of the equation. Let's go to Nashville, Tennessee, and let's talk to Mike Patton of SportsAwakening.com. Mike, I got to tell you, Brian is very confident in the Ravens right now, but the Titans just coming off of a monumental upset, vanquishing the defending champion New England Patriots. How confident are fans in Nashville right now? Well, they're very confident. They're cautiously optimistic as well. You know, of course, still trying to figure out Lamar Jackson, but then again, they're confident in the ground game, which, uh, you know, is, is definitely uh, founded upon Mr. Derrick Henry. Okay. Now we'll get into Derrick Henry in a second, but I got, you know, I got to talk to you about this because at the, we talked to you at the beginning of the season and, you know, I, I nobody, you know, at the, when we talked to you, uh, Marcus Mariota was still your starting quarterback, still your quarterback of the, the present and the future. Things have changed. And now after this win in this win in New England, is it safe to say everybody in Titans Nation is on board with Ryan Tannehill? Uh, you're definitely safe to say it, and you're definitely safe to say that he's more than likely going to get an extension or a new deal this offseason. So at this point, Tannehill is the guy. Now I I got to say I was very I was blown away by his poise in the game last week. You know, I I was unsure. I'll and I'll be the first to admit I picked against the Titans. But I was blown away by his poise in that game because it the moment never looked too big for him. Now, also in the playoffs, you saw Josh Allen and Josh Allen kind of got caught up in the moment. 
you know, it looked like it looked like he the moment was too big for Josh Allen, but that was not the case with Ryan Tannehill. Can you talk to what? Can you talk to his poise and just the the overall game that he played last week? Well, the thing is, he he didn't have a quite you know overly impressive stat game. I mean, he only he I think he threw for under 100 yards. Mm-hmm. But the thing is. He did the things that needed to be done. Sure, he missed some passes, but, you know, he completed a pass on a touchdown that was pinpoint yep. to uh, Kirkser. He threw a first. He threw a uh, pass to Kirkser that got them a first down to keep eating up clock. He made all the checks and those things like that. You know, he might not hit every pass, but he did the things that leaders do and show poise in the right time. You know, and that actually is his first win in New England is in, in his entire career. So, you know, definitely that was huge in terms of, you know, him commanding the offense riding the hot hand one and then getting the right checks to where the people will get blocked up. Now at this point, do you, I want to speak to Tannehill as a leader. Does the team rally behind him as a leader and view him as a leader? And how hard do you think that is for a team, for a quarterback who comes in, in the middle of the season, not necessarily because of, because of, injury but because of the performance of his predecessor like it's not like Marcus Mariota got hurt and was lost for the year and he took the job he just got benched so well well uh, you know definitely uh, I think he endeared himself endeared himself to his team when he was selling out to make first downs you know diving head first taking on people in the hole all those type of things uh, that you wouldn't expect from a guy that's, uh, you know, uh, we respect from a quarterback in general. And when he did those things, he jumps up, pumping his fist, he's making the throws that need to be made, all those type of things, you endear yourself uh, very quickly to a team. And when in doing those things, that quickly made it made it where they endeared themselves, he endeared himself to the team and that, they believe that they can win every every game with him. Like before, before he took the took over the reins with Marcus Mariota, if they went down seven or fourteen points or ten points or anything like that, you would be concerned and you would you wouldn't know how the team would respond and you would you'd be like you, you you would think that the game would be over. Um, with Tannehill, there's just this undying confidence that. You know, we get we may get down or anything like that, but he's going to make the play to get us back in the game or to keep us in the game. So that that's why I think the switch has been flipped, and that Tannehill has become a leader and become a guy that they trust and believe in. Okay, in your opinion, what? How does Miami miss this? How does Miami not realize that they have a guy like this in their camp and they just let him walk? How does how does that happen? Well, I'll say this. I, well, I can't blame Miami all on this one because he was considered the franchise guy. And, you know, of course, when someone gets knocked down a couple notches, you're either going to respond or you're going to uh, be feeling yourself a little bit. He responded because, you know, he knew this was his shot, his only time. And he got that second shot and he didn't take it for granted. A lot of times when people get that second shot, they come out and they probably play a little bit more focused, a little bit more poised and try to do the best they can as opposed to when, you know, they're taking everything for granted. So I don't think – I'm not going to blame Miami for this one. I'm going to credit Tannehill for recognizing his opportunity and, and, you know, stepping up to the plate and being better than he was before. Okay. Well, let's get, uh, let's get back to the game. Derrick Henry was a beast last weekend. 
Now, do you believe he can still be that same beast that he was in New England against that vaunted Baltimore defense? And I know it's not the defense of the past. It's not the, you know, the Ray Lewis days are over, but that's still a pretty stout defense. Can Derrick Henry do it again? And what does he have to do to repeat that, uh, the performance of last week? Well, the Baltimore defense, I'm not going to say they're, uh, they're outstanding against the run, but you can run against them. And if you go at them and you run hard and you do the things that you need to do and you keep that uh, poise and you keep that uh, uh, sticking to the running game, I think eventually you pop some runs. Because I don't know if you watched the, uh, the Ravens when they played the 49ers. The 49ers stuck to the run, stuck to the run, stuck to the run. They popped some runs as well. So that's what the Titans need to do. Just stick to it, stick to it, stick to it. Don't, don't think everyone's going to go for four or five yards. Plus, you got to also remember they have some road riders up front that can make some things happen. So, you know, Baltimore, if they, if they stop the Titans from running the football, then you put it all on Tannehill and it makes it a little bit more difficult. However, if the Titans stick to the running game, you know, get something here and there, that sets up the play action, that sets up A.J. Brown, that sets up everything that they want to do. So just sticking with the running game and continuing to, to understand that not every run is going to be a great run. That will help the Titans stay in the game. And also two clock. All right. Well, let's get over, let's move over to the other side of the ball. Now, look, I know this is easier said than done, but if the Titans are going to win this weekend, if they're going to win on Saturday, they got to slow down Lamar Jackson. My question is, how do you do that? Well, I actually saw something that I, I, thought, I thought was interesting this week. Uh, they're breaking it down on NFL. I think it's NFL Network or ESPN. Mm-hmm. They were breaking down basically when um, Greg Roman was running the same offense with Colin Kaepernick. Of course, you know, I would say the completion percentages go more in Lamar Jackson's favor. Mm-hmm. But still, they, it's the same style offense. And what the Baltimore Ravens did under Dean Pease at that time, by the way, is they declared uh, who was going to who's going to uh, be running the football or or you know doing whatever on def- on offense by doing that what meaning that they basically took the quarterback and made the made the running back run the football so in this game you know if they do that and declare you know basically basically just take Lamar Jackson out of it and make him have to hand the ball off it makes them less dynamic one and then you know you've got Mark Ingram running on a sore calf, and you got, you know, Gus as well, Gus Edwards as well. Now, not to say they cannot run the football, but it makes them less dynamic, and it makes the play action a little bit less as well. So that's what I think the Titans will do. I think they're also going to mix up a few different things. You may see Logan Ryan, which, you know, before the – I mean, no one really pays attention to this, but uh, Logan Ryan was one of their top sack guys this year, and he's a defensive back. So you would, you know, I definitely can see some blitzes coming from Logan Ryan uh, and some different uh, looks and things like that, maybe zone on one side and man-to-man on the opposite side trying to flush uh, Lamar Jackson to one side or the other. But giving him different looks and things like that, also declaring who's going to run the football, that is how you can potentially slow down that offense. All right. So in, in the end, right now, I don't want to get necessarily a prediction, but I just want to get back to the confidence level that you have in – these Tennessee Titans. What do you see happening this weekend? I mean, do you, and and before, in, in fact, before we even do, the, we even get into that. You know, how confident were you going into New England? Like, did you I, see that New England that win in New England coming? Did you see that? 
I honestly saw that win coming. Just looking at the offense of New England, I mean, you got pretty much all slot wide receivers playing to play all playing all different positions. Mm-hmm. So the offense didn't really scare uh, scare anyone. Defense, yeah, they're going to be on the field a long time, especially having to hit Derrick Henry a lot. And then eventually, he was going to start popping runs, which it, which it, it happened over and over and over again, even earlier than I thought. So I would say that. Uh, you know, the confidence level was very good going into that game that the Titans would win that one. Okay, so now how? what's the difference between that weekend and now? I mean, you've gone from the defending champions now to the number one seed in the AFC. How confident are you that Tennessee well, can pull this out? Well, I'll say this. Uh, my confidence level isn't quite as high. I'll, I'll give them maybe a uh, – I would say if on a scale of a 10, i give them maybe a 5. Maybe kind of midway five to maybe a six. Uh, the the biggest thing here is the Titans have to control clock. If they're able to control clock with Derrick Henry, that means less times Lamar Jackson is on the field. If that time of possession is not in their favor, then it's going to be a loss, and it could be a bad loss for for the Titans. All right, this is probably shaping up to be the number one game, the best game of the weekend. I'm excited to see it. Mike Patton from SportsAwakening.com. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it, brother. Yes, sir. No problem. All right. That was Mike Patton from SportsAwakening.com. We are going to take one more break. When we come back on the other side of the break, Mike Jones will call in. And we're going to talk about Wild Card Weekend. We're going to talk about our beloved Philadelphia Eagles and the end of their season and why Dallas Cowboys fans just stay mad. Right here on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. The construction Tims are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. Never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you definitely from Uptown, New York. You're definitely Manhattan, from New York if you Harlem. shouted out Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, we're back on offense, defense, and discourse. Shabal Brown talking NFL football. Now, look, as you know, Mike Jones and myself, we are Philadelphia Eagles fans. Our team lost. There's no other way to put it. We're out the playoffs. My team is no longer in the NFL playoffs. Not necessarily mad about it. You know, given everything that they went through, given all the circumstances surrounding the game, I'm not mad. 
But you want to know who's mad? Cowboys fans are mad. And I talked about it with Mike Jones during our podcast called Green Over Everything. Make sure you download that podcast. You can hear the conversation in its entirety. But me and Mike try to kind of figure out why Cowboys fans are so mad. And here's what Mike had to say. I'm going to just start with the hypothetical. Imagine hypothetically speaking, right, that okay. you are a cockroach Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, now, just stomach that for a second. I know it's tough, but, but imagine hypothetically you're a cockroach Cowboys fan. I'm feeling nauseous and, already. As a cockroach Cowboys fan, you came into the season knowing that Jerry Jones is a seed owner, that Jason Garrett, the chronic clapping yes man, is still your coach. And your quarterback is still developing. He's got talent, but all the questions haven't been answered yet. You know these things at the start of the season. So as you get to week 10, the teams start losing. And then you get to week 16 and you lose to the Eagles, then your season's pretty much over. Like when a Cowboys fan tells me they're mad, not mad, I believe it. Because I think they accepted the situation when Jay, years ago, knowing Jason Garrett should, should have been fired. So, so that's what I, I think they're just numb to it at this point. I disagree. I disagree. And this is why. I disagree because, quite frankly, I feel like they try too hard to take pleasure out of the way the Eagles lost. Now, you, I mean, you sat and watched, and and I will admit, for, for me, for me, it was all in fun. I had a very fun back and forth exchange with a good friend of the show, Ashley. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out to Ashley. Yeah. You know, I, I like Ashley a lot, but Ashley was just begging for the smoke. She was, you know, she she was talking, she was laying out her plan. And to me, it just sounded like, hey, Brown, can you give me this smoke? And I did. This is why Cowboys fans are mad. You know, they're like, hey, what happened in the game? What happened in the game? Oh, the Eagles lost. Eagles lost. Y'all are losers. Whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, 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 we lost, you know. But honestly, I look at how we lost, the situations, and why we lost, and no, I'm not mad. And this is why Dallas fans are still mad. Because at the end, that team on Sunday that lost to the Seahawks ended the Dallas Cowboys season. Now, I understand everything that you laid out and why the Dallas Cowboys imploded. They imploded because of their owner, who's also the GM, and their coach. They had we talked about this on podcasts in the past. We talked about this in depth on the last offense, defense, and discourse. Dak Prescott had a very impressive season. Zeke Elliott had a very impressive season. Amari Cooper had a very impressive season. Yet they finished eight and eight. Under Jason Garrett, they finished eight and eight a whole lot. They never strung together. But so here's the thing. Yeah, I understand. They're not yes, they're the definition of mediocrity, but for twenty Plus years, Dallas Cowboys fans want to shoehorn themselves into the NFL conversation like they're relevant, and they're not, and they haven't been. They haven't been for years, so no, they're not numb to it. There's a difference. Cleveland Browns fans are numb to their their franchise's mediocrity. 
that's a, a fan base that's numb to their mediocrity. Dallas Cowboys fans will never be numb to their mediocrity because they believe in their hearts that they're the cream of the crop. They believe in their hearts that they're America's team. And yes, I understand that there's absolutely no logical explanation or no logical reason why the Dallas Cowboys should even be considered America's team, but that's why it goes out the window. There is no logic. There is no objectivity when you're dealing with Dallas Cowboys fans. The fact of the matter is, the reason why, they can sit there and say, hey, they're numb to it because they they realize the problem, they understand the problem, and the problem's been the problem for years. No, that's why they mad. They believe that they're the gold standard, despite the fact that, on one hand, Jason Garrett is their second highest winning coach in franchise history, yet... This man never pieced together two good seasons in a row. Jason Garrett finished with four eight and eight seasons and one nine and seven season. He is the epitome of mediocrity. That's why they took so much pleasure. Dallas Cowboys fans took so much pleasure and they swear that we're mad. But what do we really have to be mad about? We've sat here and watched, you know, under Doug Peterson, this Eagles team, we've watched this team, you know, fly in the face of adversity three years in a row. They were injury plagued in 2017. They lost Carson Wentz. They lost Jason Peters. They lost Darren Sproles. And they still pieced it together and went and won the Super Bowl. They follow that up. They lose Carson Wentz again. They lose other key players in the game. What ends up happening, they still go to the playoffs and they still win a game. This year, devastated by injuries. Carson Wentz, yes, he does stay healthy for for 16 games. But they lose Lane Johnson. They lose Brandon Brooks. They lose Alshon Jeffrey. They lose Deshaun Jackson. They lose Nelson Aguilar. Lost Jordan Howard for a couple uh for a bunch of games. Still were able to win the division and and give a pretty good, a darn good run against the Seattle team, even though they lost Carson Wentz in the first quarter. Just like you said, you thought you were in a better mood than me at the beginning of the show. And I'm saying, you know, maybe, but in the end, I'm disappointed because, hey, you know what they lost. Losses will always disappoint me. If you want to bring up objectivity, I get it. You know, I, you know, I could be objective. We knew the deck was stacked against this. And basically, it was insurmountable once Carson Wentz left. Once Carson Wentz was out of the game, you know what? Hey, it, you know, it is what it is. So for me, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm going back and forth with Dallas Cowboys fans who are telling me I'm mad. I'm like, nah, y'all mad? Because the fact of the matter is this team that lost on the team that lost on Sunday, the team with a bunch of players still paying student loans and still got part time jobs ended the Dallas Cowboys season. They broke Zeke off. They broke Amari Cooper off and they're debating whether they want to break off Dak Prescott. And in the end, that team of stars, the new big three, the big three that's going to take them into the 20s, into the new decade, that's going to lead them into the future. Their season got ended by a, by Boston Scott, Greg Ward Jr., Dallas Goddard, 
and a bunch of other names. Bunch of other names of guys you haven't heard of. That's why I don't, you know, they're not numb. Dallas Cowboys fans ain't numb to nothing. They mad. They angry. Because they sit here and they look at their team and they understand. And they say, despite Jason Garrett, despite Jerry Jones, we should be able to beat the Seattle Seahawks. But they never even got the chance because they team is butt. They cheat. They they team watched it, so that's why Dallas Cowboys fans are mad. But if I were a Cowboys fan, and, and I hear you, but if I were a Cowboys fan, I would. Jason Garrett, the Super Bowl winning coach, is a result. Hopefully, Jerry Jones will say, "I this coach has won the Super Bowl. I'm gonna let him do his job, and they can get there's a chance they get out of the mediocrity as a result of this." Because let's be honest, they weren't going any further than the Eagles did this year. Not the one play Jason Garrett coaches that team. So big picture as a Cowboys fan, they're in a better situation than they were start to start last situation. Here's the issue that I have with that. I hear what you're saying, and that's a lot of ob- objectivity right there. How many truly objective Cowboys fans do you know? That's the best point you've made to the entire hit. That's all. Because if you're objective, why would you be a Cowboys fan? Unless you're from Dallas. This is why I'll go back and forth with a Cowboys fan who's telling me I'm mad. Because you laid out a very objective point. Cowboys fans ain't objective. Cowboys fans, have, I'm 43 years old. I've never met an objective Cowboys fan. They mad. They angry. They want... You know, they, they want us to be mad and angry like them, but we're not mad and angry like them. I understand. You know what? Yes, they got five Super Bowl rings. For the last 20-something years, since 1996, their last Super Bowl win, they have been an embarrassment. Well, look, I'm, 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 I've wasted too much time on Cowboys fans. They're mad, and we're not. You know, that's, that, that, that's, all, that's all there is to it. Shout out to Ashley, though. Ashley was begging for that smoke. She was just begging for it. I had had to give it a smoke. All right, that will do it for another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. Remember, if you got any thoughts on this show, you can hit us up on Twitter, and that's it. We're not on Facebook or Instagram, all right? O underscore D underscore Discourse at Twitter. Make sure you hit us up. Let us know your thoughts on on what we talked about, on any of the issues. If you want to tell us that you think we're doing a really good job, we'll listen and we'll probably hit you back. All right, you guys have a great sports weekend. Enjoy all the sports. My name is Brown. For my man, Mike Jones, we will talk to you guys next week. Peace, y'all. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio.